This is episode 115 with Adrian Ellison. Welcome to The Athletic Mindset. I'm your host, Corey Camp, former Division I swimmer, forever athlete, and your personal performance coach, helping you find more flow in your life. Today, I sit down with Adrian, founder of The Alpus Project. She hosts conscious retreats and self-healing and empowering workshops, and her work is profound in helping individuals heal their shadows, find their authentic confidence, and experience radical self-expression. Adrian's work is rooted in helping hundreds of thousands with inner child work, cord cutting, repairing subconscious patterns such as self-sabotage, social reprogramming, dysfunctional relationships, addiction loops, and other physical and mental health challenges that keep us from living out our unique expression. This conversation is a little bit different than our typical ones on the show, and I love it for that. We dive deep into some very deep topics here centered around healing and expressing who we are, especially problems that are rooted in the athletic identity and the athletic sense of self. I'd encourage you to share this episode with a friend or loved one to further spark a deeper connection with them and deeper conversation with them. Deep conversation is actually one of the many ways that we can feel more flow into our life. And with that, please welcome on Adrian. Adrian, it's so nice to join you. Thank you first and foremost for inviting me into your home here in Austin. This is Beautiful space. I love the energy and I'm excited to dive into your story here. But how are you feeling today? I feel great. And it feels this is the first time I've done a podcast in my house that wasn't on Zoom. So this house is so much about being a safe healing place for me, but also being able to connect with other people. So we're doing the exact thing that I have this house to do. I love it. I love the intention that you have there and the follow through on your intentions. That's what honestly I really wanted to speak to you with is I've seen your content and I see how you present yourself and I definitely see you as someone that isn't afraid to speak something but even more so you follow it up with some action which Mm -hmm. is a rare trait in this day and age so first off I want to acknowledge you for that thank you second where do these intentions come from for you because I feel like a lot of us we struggle to tune in and Mm -hmm. hear like huh this is the this higher calling. Mm -hmm. I know that's something that you really tap into is this higher calling. You have this higher sense of self and purpose really driving and guiding your actions. Where did that journey start for you? With the awareness that I was trying to escape my pain and the intentionality comes from wanting to actually alchemize my pain, not just escape it, but actually transcend it, be able to understand why it came to me and then yeah, send it away with love, which is sounds oh so beautiful, but it's one hell of a messy process. <laughs> I was about to say it sounds beautiful, but mm-hmm. I think you and I both know it is there's a lot of pain in that work. There's mm-hmm. a lot of struggle in it, but on the other side often is this feeling of growth and expansiveness, which yeah. is super cool. I love how you used pain as an example. I touched on recently using fear as another kind of just flashlight emotion when we feel fear or resistance or pain. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes that's a great indicator of where we should actually dive into. Mm-hmm. When did you start to learn to dive into the pain and face it head on rather than, I mean, I think everyone's initial reaction is, yeah, this hurts. I'm going to like not talk about my feelings or I'm not going to talk about this. Mm-hmm. When did that start for you where you started to face it head on? I've been aware that my pain was my purpose for a long time, for probably three, three and a half years. But only up until recently have I, it, it was, it's this game of 
Like I know that that pain is part of my purpose, but that's really painful. So I'm going to, what about this little pain over here? Like, Ooh, okay. Like, let me dive into this. And you know, then those things start moving and you get to see small things in your life start to progress, but really getting away from the deep avoidance and escapism of like the real pain in my life started when I got endometriosis last year and was diagnosed with that. It was one of the most painful experiences of my life. I don't know if you know anything about endometriosis. Yeah. A very large number of women experience it. And it's pretty much not, it's not really described by Western medicine of like having an actual purpose. Like, hey, we don't really know where this comes from. And I love Chinese medicine because it's a lot more of a well-rounded approach with medicine. And I do believe Western medicine is really important. I just think they they play different roles. Mm -hmm. And when I was doing research on this, because my symptoms were, I was bleeding so much, losing a ton of blood on a daily basis to the point where it's very alarming. Mm -hmm. And it's also a very sensitive thing. It's not, it's vulnerable. It's not something that you're just talking about, right? You break your leg. Everyone knows you broke your leg. You're walking around in a cast or a brace. When you have like an internal thing going on, nobody knows. So Mm -hmm. I could be at the grocery store having a hard time even standing up and having such severe pain, but I look fine. I just look like another girl at the grocery store. So when my endometriosis hit, the pain was so severe that it would sometimes reach like a level eight or nine where I would feel delusional. I would start having like crazy visions and like rage come up in my body and being able to, I mean, for the first several months, it went on for six months where it was really severe. For the first several months, I don't even take like pharmaceuticals. I was taking pain medication, pretty much anything to make it go away because I didn't I didn't understand what it was. I still had that like victimhood mentality of like, why is this happening to me? Mm. And then around the end of it, when I actually healed it, which most people that have endometriosis end up having surgery or they live with it for, you know, most of their life until they hit menopause. And the way that I took it on at the end, because of my research with Chinese medicine, which said this is stagnant blood. Mm -hmm. It's stagnant because there's stagnant energy. There's energy that needs to move. And when it doesn't move, it manifests as these like little stagnant blood pockets. So I was like, hmm, stagnant energy. I wonder what that could be from. And therein lies where the biggest pain point of my life has occurred that I was like, oh, no, no, no. That's I'm not going to deal with that pain. I'm not even going to look at that, which was my father dying six years ago. So having that experience, I was completely unable to cope. I didn't have the tools. And honestly, I don't really even know that tools would, you know, with something like death, that's so severe. So towards the end of my endometriosis, I started to realize that when the pain would hit and be so severe that I started having these almost like fantasies of destroying my house, like breaking glass. And Mm -hmm. the only thing that would actually soothe the pain was just like thinking about destruction. And then I realized, okay, this feels like maybe the energy that is not able to move is rage. What is my relationship with rage? or anger in general. And I didn't have one. So that kind of surfaced this subconscious, unconscious thing that I was experiencing, which was the emotion of anger in my body that did not feel safe to express because of my long history with anger in my childhood and especially in my teenage years where I was very destructive and created a lot of discomfort for people, as well as my dad had a lot of anger issues and experiencing how my mom and everyone kind of like perceive that and experience that themselves. It was like, that's not, that's not good because if you become angry, one, no one will be able to hold space for it because it's ugly. Mm -hmm. 
And two, people will shut down and they will withdraw from you, which means that my need to be loved and nurtured would not be met. So in the endometriosis, as all this is coming up, I'm like, I really want to dive into this pain in a way that I never have before. Still not available to dive into the grief of my dad's death. It's like, Mm -hmm. this seems easier than that seems to me. And so I decided to stop taking all the medication, which was mostly just painkillers, and really spend time being present with the pain and what was coming up for me. And what I experienced in that space was that endometriosis was a messenger for where this pain was lying, what was looking to be expressed. And as I started being like open to that expression needing to happen, because at this point it's like, I don't really have a choice. I'm either going to live with this for a long time or I'm going to be able to actually pinpoint what's going on. And with that, I started having these really interesting experiences when I'd be really present in the pain. I would have moments where I felt like I was in like, um, like what is it called? Like amniotic, amniotic fluid, mm-hmm. like an infant. Yeah. And I would feel my arms kind of moving around in this like water. And I would, I, it was like, I didn't have memories, but I could feel in my body this feeling of being f- this tiny fragile infant that was like, I don't know about this. Mm-hmm. And one of the cool things that about, you know, my journey of self-healing is that I have a lot of resources and tools. And on one day, I'm just sitting there by myself, like in so much pain, having these visions. And I'm thinking, I have rage that's unexpressed. And I'm having these interesting visions of breaking things. But I'm also having interesting visions of what it's like to be like a fetus. So I did this card pulling with oracle cards, which I don't do very often. And the very first card I drew was called the seed. And it said, go back to being, you know, the, the acorn before it bursts and grows into a tree. Because the tree and the acorn are no different. They are one and the same. So I was like, oh, okay, like I'll, I'm down <laughs> at this point. Like I don't have anything else to really do. The second card I drew was being witnessed in my grief, <laughs> which I was like, okay. And then the third card I drew was uh, apocalypse, which was death. And I really just got clear about all of the expressions and emotions that were moving through my body during that time. The predominant one being a lot of anger. And I had an actual day where instead of trying to run from the pain, I just went straight into it kind of like, let's fucking dance. And what I experienced in that space was I turned my music all the way up. I told, you know, nobody come to the house. I set boundaries of like, I need my own space to Mm -hmm. feel empowered to express whatever I need. And when people are in like severe pain, we almost, it's like this permission of like scream if you need to, like whatever happens, right? You can roll around and moan and cry and do whatever because it's like pain is permission to do that. Mm -hmm. And that's what I did. I had six hour stretch where I went from just being like, oh, this sucks to screaming at the top of my lungs, which it never, it was never like I was screaming and then I wasn't. The screaming, because I would let it be expressed so fully, would turn into laughter Mm. and then it would turn into sobbing. And then I had music playing. It would turn into me singing and I wouldn't even realize I was singing. And my voice was so beautiful because it was like such an authentic sound coming Mm. from me. And then like there was like weird, I mean, even weird sounds that at this point I feel very comfortable with having sit in ceremony, but for anybody, like any of the Amazon delivery guys that were dropping <laughs> off stuff at my door were probably like, what's going on in there? Is everything okay? And this lasted for six hours. It was so intense. And that was when I realized that, and, and by the way, the next day, um, my endometriosis, which I wouldn't know until a month later, but the bleeding was gone and it started to just dissolve away. My body felt so good. And I felt really like a change in my cells and that was profound. And so 
what happened the next month was, okay, I'm getting ready for my cycle to hit again. Like, what am I going to do? And I started falling back into victimhood. Like, fuck, what if I didn't really heal it? What if it's coming back? What if I went through that, all of that pain and I had this medicine woman experience where I feel like I healed myself and then I'm going to find out like, you just had a day where you were dancing around naked, screaming at the top of your lungs, but you still need to deal with this sickness. And then I decided I'm not going to just wait around for this shit to come up and rock me. Mm. Like I'm, I'm just going to keep dancing. I'm literally going to dance with it. And so I actually set my, my garage up. You can see it. I have a punching Bob. If you've ever seen one of those. And I kind of set it up as like a rage den. And I just got really intentional about when this pain comes, which would come for about seven to 10 days. And it would always hit, it's very regulated by hormones. So it was based Mm. on my circadian rhythm. So it would hit around 1 PM. It would skyrocket to the most intense pain between three and four. And then by 6 PM, I felt almost normal, like depleted, but like, oh, the pain's gone. So during that time, I let everyone know, like, I'm not available. I have things I have to do. And I was so ready. Like when it came, I was like, I will be here and I will go in. And I started actually getting really excited because I was like, oh my gosh, like I'm going to greet this and I'm going to learn about myself and I'm going to write more content and I'm going to have like that feeling of, wow, I fucking showed up for myself and I did it. And by the way, no, like there's no, no external validation that I could ever get because no one is ever going to really know what I went through. It was a solo journey and it never came. And then I was sad. Like, I was like, what is happening? I was, I'm grieving this experience that I, I don't want to have, but like, I kind of wanted to have it because I wanted to meet myself in that place. And Mm -hmm. that just, this was in December and that just really set into perspective for me. Like, man, I've been on this journey for several years and I've been doing the work, but there's a huge difference between like intellectually doing the work and Mm. embodiment, true embodiment. And that was where I met the version of embodiment within myself that I had never experienced before. There's literally so much to unpack there. (laughs) Yeah. You have such a beautiful story. And that's the first time that I'm hearing it that in depth. One, I just want to acknowledge you for sharing uh, the level that you did. Because I love it. And wow, the fact that you shifted to a place of like wanting mm-hmm. to feel it almost was do you think it was from a maybe a subconscious desire to see like all right am i really right here like can i just for sure myself right of that i did heal it yeah it's multifaceted i had many many ego expressions <laughs> or many many like you know it, not even really attachments because i actually felt very open about mm-hmm. it but that was the thing feeling open to whatever happened and really not having like like I have a preference for sure. It would be great yeah. for it not to come. But then at the same time, that's where the shock hit at the end was, is this something that I, I'm, 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 it's not that I miss the pain. It's that I miss that moment where I felt the pain and and not just felt it in my body where I'm like, Oh, I feel it and it hurts and I'm trying to escape it. But like, yeah. I feel what this pain is actually trying to express. And that I mean, before that even happened, I had already started like my Awaken the Medicine retreat was already getting ready to to get launched. And I already had some of these ideas, but that moment put into perspective, like, I, I feel like a lot of people tell me like, Adrian, you really know your purpose. And I kind of knew pieces of it. I had like fragments everywhere, but that moment of not even like going through the endometriosis or healing it, but the moment where I realized that you can hate something and 
find a way to accept it and then grieve it all at the same time. Like mm-hmm. emotions can move in many, many ways and they're, you know, we're so vast as far as what we experience. So that was, that was a really moving time for me. Yeah. And I think pain, again, it's a great flashlight into like where you need to focus on, but also it's a great primer to just drop you into that present moment. Mm-hmm. And once you're in there, then you can start to really start to see, okay, this connects to this. And yeah, you had this purpose here and the passion here. And all of a sudden you're able to start gluing this puzzle together. Mm-hmm. And what I think is so cool about this journey, you'd said it, you've been doing the work for years. Mm-hmm. Unless you embody it, mm-hmm. it doesn't really mean all that much. It's one thing to listen to this episode, but it would be a whole other experience to have had a similar experience to you hear this episode and be like, oh my God, I get it. I mm-hmm. totally relate with her. True integration. Yeah. And I I love that you are kind of finding this new level to yourself in this whole process. And in doing so, your business goes to a whole new level mm-hmm. and you gain so much clarity there. You gain so much clarity in your personal relationships. Mm-hmm. Like it seems from an outsider perspective, you almost needed this journey to to be with where you're at. Well, that's what I came here for. That's what integration means is your ability to look at all the messiness that you experienced in, in the phases of life that we go through mm-hmm. and to see why. See, oh, I created this. Integration is the moment where you realize, like, I created this and now I get to integrate, like, the why and understanding all the messiness and how mm-hmm. it actually comes together to serve me and then you know, that's when you can move into transcending it. Yeah. And I think it's so important as coaches, leaders in this space to go through that work yourself. Mm -hmm. And I always tell people that I work with, I don't have all the answers. In fact, I probably don't have any of the answers. (laughs) I just help you find the answers for yourself that are deeper within yourself. Um, But I also think it's super important to have gone through the work Mm -hmm. yourself have you noticed that your ability to lead people to that inner medicine now has been increased because of this past experience of yours? Yeah. So I've been doing coaching for six years at this, Mm -hmm. almost six years at this point, but just transitioned into like self-healing coaching a little less than two years ago. And the difference is I was really embodied in a lot of ways. And those were the ways I was teaching on, but because I hadn't fully stepped into the power that I have now mm-hmm. of feeling empowered by my pain, there's a difference in how I am communicating and coaching with the individuals that are in my community. Like if I am still constantly searching outside of myself for the medicine that will heal me, then the people that will be attracted to me by law of attraction will be people who are also searching for the medicine outside of them to heal them. And then I will be translating to them, you know, about my external journey. Mm-hmm. And that will be whether they're aware of it or not, encouraging them to continue to seek outside of themselves for their external journey. When this hit, it was so clear to me that I am not the medicine for you. You are the medicine for you and I'm the medicine for me. And we can reflect our stories. That's why storytelling is so powerful. We can reflect our stories about how we cultivated our own internal medicine and, and found it because it's not like it's, it's already there. It's more just unlocking and unblocking the things that keep you from being able to actually experience it. And the medicine that we're all looking for with these external pieces is we're 
looking for that piece to help us feel something. And that might be like happiness or peace or whatever that is, but that's only feeling the light side. And mm. in a world of duality, what needs to be felt and expressed is all of it. Mm. And so in order to actually feel and express the happiness, the sadness has to be a felt experience as well. Yeah. So when I learned that now from my coaching, I was already teaching this because I already knew, I knew a lot about the uh, healer shadow, like the, the wounded healer. That's mm. like, Oh, I can heal you. You know, like there's a lot of that and I'm not embodied, but let me teach you about embodiment. And I've definitely struggled with those shadows in my, in my career. That's a huge part of what mm. makes us able to transmute that and really show up in a really impactful way and true service. And now I can genuinely say, I just want to encourage people to seek that medicine within themselves and encourage them to, it's great to use these external things. It's great to use different modalities. And, but when you find yourself looking to someone else to tell you who you are or what's inside of you or how to heal it, you're, you know, you're giving that power away mm -hmm. and your personal power is the single most important thing that you can have in order to actually tap into your medicine and transmute whatever it is in your body that is looking to be expressed. I always say you are your own, your own superpower. You mm -hmm. just have to be able to tune into it and tap into it. Yeah. You touched there on duality. And another reason I wanted to have you on and have this discussion is actually talk on duality. Because mm -hmm. I think one of the things when it comes to the athletic mindset, and maybe this is just specific to some sports more so than others, but a lot of athletes, I think, struggle with expressing those other sides of the emotion, the other side of the coin, so to speak, because growing up in sport, you're conditioned to some extent to let's suppress pain. Let's keep going. Let's don't feel sad. You lost good, feel it, but move on, like get to the next mm -hmm. thing. Which puts a time limit on that felt experience. Yeah. Do you think there should be a time limit there? Do you think it should just run its course? Yeah. Well, time is the reason we experience duality. So it's important, or duality is the reason we experience time. It's important to have a relationship with both and with time. And that's part of that being really present, right? You wouldn't be able to be present if you didn't have a timeline because mm. that concept wouldn't exist. So you cannot really put a time limit, first of all, on healing, because no matter how many things yeah. you're transforming, it's, it's ever evolving, always moving, always deeper layers of the onion. So when you're looking at duality, you're looking at a lot of different phrases that people use. Masculine and feminine, which is a hard one because it comes with preconceived you know, ideas about what that is. Like, yeah. oh, male and female. So to just kind of get rid of that, um, you've got the creator and the performer. You've got the yin and the yang, mm -hmm. right? The light and the dark. And being able to understand that we are all of it whether you want to be or not, whether you're expressing all of it or not, you are. And so when you are trying to express and you're feeling, you're in the yin, you're in the shadow, you're in the darkness, you're in the creator, you're in the feminine. Mm -hmm. And that process, we, we talk a lot in my community, like very conscious community of people who are talking about masculine and feminine and, you know, sacred union and all of this. A, a lot of conversation gets talked about, about not wanting an agenda having an agenda, right? So if, if like sex is a good example, when you can feel that someone has an agenda, it makes it very unsafe mm. and you don't really have an easy time surrendering or really you can't surrender at all because it's just, it's science and energy moving. Yeah. And so very similarly, emotions want to be surrendered to. 
They want to be expressed. They want to be felt. And on the masculine side or the, the yang side, yang side, you have the space holder of all of that and the presence, the presence that's holding space for this experience. And if you have this energy about you, that's like, okay, I'm going to let you feel this, but it needs to be over with by next week because we have things going on. That's not in support of presence. That's, hey, I have this timeline and this agenda, which I'm already living in the future, which means I'm not being present and holding space, which means it's going to be very difficult for you to surrender into the feeling. So it kind of stunts that process. So then you think you're feeling, but it's at your convenience or at the shadow aspect of the masculine's convenience. And that makes it really difficult to just move through the process because when you're crying, as you know, if if you're if when you start, you don't know when it's going to stop. And sometimes it feels like it'll be forever. But the more that you're like, oh, I don't want this, the resistance, like uh, anyone that's ever been in ceremony, you'll feel that. It just makes it even harder because it's just two opposing forces smacking into each other versus when you tap into like deep presence and acceptance of like, this is where I'm at not this is where I want to be. It's almost like there's a difference between tolerating the emotions and actually accepting them, even when you don't agree or like or appreciate them. So yeah, putting a timeline on those things, I mean, that's just part of our, the society we live in. We live in a very repressed, like repressed in the sense of the acceptance of the yin, acceptance of the shadow's expression, the acceptance of emotions. We haven't really ever had that in our society. We're moving more into that as we continue to evolve consciously as, as a human race. It's a really cool shift to see. Mm-hmm. And I think this past year in particular, I think really moved that shift further mm-hmm. in a lot of ways, because for the first time in a while, it was like, what do you mean you need a mental health day <laughs> or, yeah. or something like that. And now thankfully it, it, there's space for that a little bit more. So I see it in the NBA, like Kyrie Irving, took some time away from the Brooklyn Nets this past year just to like focus on him. Mm-hmm. And it, he caught a lot of backlash still because there's still some older ways of thinking of like, yeah, that's great that he's doing the self work, but he's getting paid millions of dollars. So like he should, really should just be like doing his job. Whereas and that's, like, that's where it rubs up against commitment. Yeah. So that's tricky because when you have commitment mm-hmm. and you have, you know, that's why it's important to have really clear understanding of what you're capable of committing to and to leave space in your commitments for your process as well. Mm, I like that. I never thought of it like that. But yeah, it's finding that perfect balance, which is tough. Mm-hmm. And tough. when you agree and commit to something like the NFL yeah. or the NBA, there is you know, it's different. It's not like me who is can run my business. It's like I run my business and I can do things on this day if I want to. And you know what? Today, fuck it. I'm not feeling like anything. I'm going to go on a bike ride. Those are the best days. Right? Yeah, those are, those are the best days. That's where your creative energy comes in. But these people have committed mm. to a performance-based job, a masculine-based job. So the performer, you know, like I said, the, the yin is the creator, the yang is the yeah. performer. And they've committed to that. And there are expectations that they agreed to. And that's, that's a contract, you know? Mm. So that's tricky. And I don't, you know, my advice for somebody who's in a position like that is, to be really present in the place that you've committed to and to understand what in the future you're not available for commitment wise. Mm -hmm. But when you're already in it, if you're in that place right now, the same thing is 
you know, if you're in a healing place right now with a really toxic environment where healing is not actually safe to do because expressing your emotions is not safe, probably not the time to start opening and expressing if that's not a safe thing. So instead, be really present in the experience that you're in. Allow yourself to be present in the pain of that. Like, fuck, I made this commitment and I don't want to be here or I don't feel you know, I'm saying like, I don't feel safe to express everything I need to express. It's a tricky situation. And most of society before the pandemic was in that situation, mm-hmm. corporate jobs, especially like mothers who, you know, just were, had just given birth as well as athletes, as well as the medical professionals. Like that's, that was the society we lived in. Mm-hmm. And then the pandemic hit and it started shining light on this area where, oh man, people need more space for the shadow, for the yin that we're not yeah. expressing in this dual duality experience, but we're bypassing the other half of duality. And we're just like, no, like stay here, go to the light, be here on time. You know, if you've made this commitment, but not addressing what people need. And so it's a shift and it's going to occur over the next century or more, obviously, of what we need to do as a society to support people to be in an experience that is actually supportive of the wholeness of them rather than just the performer And that's hard because money. Yeah. And what's interesting, I think I'm now of the mindset. I used to be of the mindset of like force it, like show up anyway. Like you don't feel like going to swim practice, like go to swim practice. Mm -hmm. You got to get better. You got to get better. But now as I'm kind of going through my own journey and growth, I'm really seeing that there is room for both. And in fact, there should be room for both. Mm -hmm. And that actually... For me, acknowledging the other side of the coin and feeling those emotions and giving them space to be released actually also enhances, to your point earlier, the performance Mm -hmm. side of things. So Mm -hmm. the people that are in that contract, it might be a little bit more of a challenge than someone like you or I who are just entrepreneurs and kind of running our own business, however we want to run it. But I think there's a lot of novelty and excitement there. Yeah. And there's an awareness there. The reason you and I have chosen this very specific journey and dance with entrepreneurship is because we knew what we wanted to experience or we're learning what we want to experience. It's, it's a constant evolution. So whether you're, you know, in this commitment that actually stunts your ability to feel safe, to Mm. just be in your emotions and what's coming up for you, or you're, it's, it's a spectrum. You're not either in it or you're not, you're somewhere on the spectrum of liberating yourself to be able to actually be a whole person in the full expression of everything that you are and all that you can create. And if you're not in that place, you're working towards that place, whether you know it or not, because we got to this place of, I was still an entrepreneur in my last career. i still had a coaching business in my last career. I still had freedom to make my own schedule in my last career, mm-hmm. but I was teaching about a topic that did not light me up and was not, I mean, it was a part of my purpose then. It was my purpose to continue to show up the way I was showing up even when I was unhappy because I was still learning that process. And then with the awareness that I gained during this, like, oh, I don't like this. Like, I will never be available for this in the future. Then as I moved into this coaching container, I have a whole new set of boundaries for what I'm able to experience and what I'm down to have with community interactions, Mm -hmm. myself, my time, my daily routine, all of that. Yeah, like your onion analogy earlier. I hear that too. And I, I always tell this example to the people that I work with. It's like when you're growing up in sport or in the academic world, you hit a certain point, maybe at a grade or whatever your training group is at the time. 
And you're kind of like the best one there. And then you start to, that challenge skill sweet spot isn't really lighting you up anymore. You feel that resistance of like, all right, this isn't really pushing me. It's not really challenging me. And then your performance starts to suffer. But then on the flip side, you get moved up a training group where you, you age up in school and you go to the next academic subject and you're like, well, this is overwhelmingly brand new. Mm-hmm. Now you're a beginner again. You're struggling and you're starting to realize like, what the heck is going on? But we need that struggle to reach that next level, that new potential that that struggle provides us. Yeah. And what I'm hearing a lot of your story is like, even now without set structure behind it, like in academics and sports, you're still seeking out that next level. And your awareness is such at a level now that you are becoming cognizant of, okay, is my current situation like truly lighting me up and making me as expansive as possible or is my time kind of up here and is it gonna start maybe a pivot in my business Mm -hmm. or maybe it's travel i feel like that's why a lot of us love to travel and experience new cultures because we learn through that experience so much about ourselves reflected by our surroundings yeah totally is that what drove you into like the retreat space a little bit selfishly to travel yourself but also provide that same kind of experience to other people. It's so interesting. I do have a lot of awareness on, you know, the travel thing now. Um, no, what's, what sparked my interest in retreats was a random weekend while I was traveling in Tulum where I was experiencing some of the deepest healing with community. You know, I think that's also one of the really important tools that people understand is that you can go and do the inner work all by yourself, but you came here to this planet to have an experience of yourself through others. Mm-hmm. And that community aspect made me want to cultivate and create that within my myself. I was looking to experience more of that, more of that, more of that, because I was feeling a lot and I felt very supported in that feeling in a way that I was unable to support myself in that feeling. So I was unable to look at my emotions and say, I'm present with you, you are held, yet strangers that I was just meeting for the first time were like, I am present and you are held. And it was like, what? So that's what sparked it. And what's so interesting about travel is at the time when it was sparked, I was transitioning. I knew I didn't want to be doing what I was doing and actually didn't take any of my clients from my previous coaching business because they were all Mormon. I was living in Salt Lake City, Utah, and I was moving into an alternative medicine, you know, very conscious community with all different healing modalities that were not in alignment whatsoever with with that religion. And so one of the reasons why I felt like it was very symbiotic for me to host retreats versus just, there's a lot of ways you can facilitate community. I could have done it right here in Austin. I could have done it in Salt Lake City, but I couldn't afford to travel. So I was like, oh, if I host retreats in other places, then I'll be able to afford to go and experience the world. And although that that was at the time liberating for me because I hadn't been traveling, I couldn't mm. afford to travel that came to a point where it actually became a prison for me because now, because I had this fixed idea about the the only way to travel is to host retreats and make money while I'm there so that I can do that together. Mm -hmm. And that limited me and my ability to say, well, how about I just make a lot of money and then I go travel if I want to. Like that would be really freeing. So the amount of work that came from there, I was committed to a lot of things when I was learning about this, going back to that commitment. Mm -hmm. And it felt, I started feeling like a prisoner of like, 
every time I travel, it's for a retreat and I'm exhausted afterwards and I don't really get to enjoy where I'm at. And the idea of traveling outside of that feels really expensive. And I feel like very conflicted about what to do. And there was a lot of contradictory energy behind what I wanted, but what I felt safe to do. And so that led me into understanding, okay, what do people really want from my retreats anyways? Like just getting clear, which was community and really good content that could help them find whatever it is they're looking for in that next healing journey phase. And then when I figured out that it was like, I don't actually have to find all these random places to go that I've never, I don't even have facilitators there. And then I have to pay the facilitators to fly all the way there to teach a couple yoga classes or, you know, host one workshop or something. It would make more sense to go to places where my community already is. My facilitators already are. I'm, I can stay in my own home, which is, I was nomadic at the time. And I just got this place. Mm -hmm. I've hosted things here in my house here in Austin, and that's freed up a lot of space. I've also hosted things, you know, in Sedona, Mm -hmm. but where I have a lot of resources. And now when I travel, I have a boundary of like, if I'm traveling for work, it's work. Mm -hmm. But if I want to go somewhere to experience myself in that freedom, that's not going to be work. And I'm not going to piggyback it on work so that I can feel safe to spend money on it. And instead, I'm going to work my way towards a goal of where I never feel like travel is not something I can do unless I do this. That has that ball and chain on it. And now you know, my perception in the way I travel is I travel because I want to travel. And I host community experiences because I want to host community experiences. And every once in a while, they're one and the same. And I feel free. It's so funny, the synchronicities. I just started yesterday on the plane out here, um, the illusion of money. By Kyle Cease. Mm. I'm not sure if you're familiar with mm-hmm. Kyle Cease and his work. Amazing guy. He came from the Comedy Central, like stand up comic realm, had a couple specials with Comedy Central, and then went into personal growth. Mm. And he brought with him a very unique skill set because he was like, well, what if we make personal growth and all this self help stuff funny mm-hmm. and made it light and expansive? And in this book of illusion of money, he speaks a lot on money is one of those things that's like taboo to like really speak on mm-hmm. a lot of the other stuff that have come up in this conversation today. Yeah. Most people are like, well, why would we talk about that? Which is why it's hard to move the energy of it and why it's hard to actually exactly. transform how you make money because your relationship with money stays the same because Shame only dies when it's brought into the light and people speak about it. And we have a lot of shame around money as a society. Yeah. And that's, I resonate a lot with your story of money because I also had that same illusion of being in the fitness realm. It was like, I justified everything as, well, I would love to go to Asheville, North Carolina this weekend, but... I would then be missing out on five clients here and that's $500. And then, you know, like I'm Mm -hmm. spending 600 on the flight and accommodate, like this is a swing of like $2,000. I can't afford to do that. Mm -hmm. And it took a lot of work to rewire that relationship with money. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh wait, like I can go to Austin. Like the whole reason I'm here right now is because I'm, Supposed to, I'm competing in High Rocks tomorrow, mm-hmm. which is a like obstacle course racing competition that I had originally booked for the LA um, event. And then due to COVID, it got moved to September to a date that I can no longer commit to. And I was like, well, I love Austin. I love the people there. Yeah. Let me just like 
shift this registration to that event. And then unlike you, I'm still working on the, the boundaries of when I travel. I, yeah. I think I, I have a beautiful dance of trying to figure out like living my personal brand and creating a business around it. Mm-hmm. But I'm still working on figuring out those boundaries. How have you learned to set those boundaries of like, all right, I'm going here with this intention and I'm sticking to it Mm -hmm. because I came here with the intention to have a great time, go to high rocks. And not that this conversation is not lighting me up. It definitely is. Mm -hmm. And ironically, it's providing a lot of self-reflection for me in the (laughs) process, but it's also work because we're recording it and it's going to be put out to the world. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. When you think of personal brand, think of personal power. Mm -hmm. Because your personal power is the single most magnetic. I mean, people will be drawn to authenticity. So whether or not, and that's where you have to get really clear. Like mm. the, the quote that I always say to my community, which is what my very first mentor told me is our ability to define gives us the power to create. And that doesn't mean just define what you want. It means define areas in your life where you're unable to get what you want, mm. where you're blocked where you have given away your power or you've made commitments that are not actually in alignment with your heart's desire, but they're more in alignment with your shadow aspect of being validated. And that's really like the foundation of work that I do with my community in boundary work is understanding that. And I think that's why my brand is small, but very potent is because my brand really reflects my personal power and my ability to give myself permission to say, that's not for me, not because I don't like it, doesn't seem enticing and not because I won't be heavily validated by it, but because if I say yes to this and it's like a six on the scale of one to 10, Mm. that takes up space. And then if I say yes to another thing, because I'm afraid that one of these doors will close and it's like, I don't know what my thing is. So I'm, I want all the doors open and you leave all the doors open that floods energy into your space. And then you don't actually have space for that. Fuck yes. That 10. Mm. And so that's a lot of where boundaries are not to keep you separate from other people. They're to keep you close to yourself and to your personal power and your center. So being really clear on like when I go travel to LA, I have a ton of friends there and ideally I'd love to see them all. And when I don't see them all, doesn't, there's no part where it's like, I love this person more than I love this person. That's why I saw them. It's really just like intuition, which Mm -hmm. by the way is the yin. It's really important. If you want to experience true intuition, you have to be able to spend time and honor the feminine and that expression and feelings because that is what that's what pulls you in the direction that you want to go. And then the, the performer is the one that gets the job done when you get there. Like, this is what I want. Nails it down. Decisiveness, right? So when I'm creating boundaries in that space, it's not about like boundaries, like don't want to see this person. They're not good for me. Uh, like oh, it's actually not about thinking about other people at all. And it's just thinking about where, where I stand. Like in this travel trip that I'm going to, if I'm going to Austin and you're here, what are you looking to experience first and foremost? That's, that's how you're going to honor your personal power. I, Corey, want to experience this. And then you trickle it out from there. What are the ways that I can experience this? All the ways. The things that don't even come up naturally that you're, gravita- that you're gravitating towards mm-hmm. after the fact, say, say that there's like, oof, like five things that I really want to do. Ooh, but fuck, I got to do this one thing. That's a fuck no. Because that didn't even come up when you were deeply in that space yeah. of like, mm, what do I want to experience? And instead it's like, ooh, I want to experience these things. Oh, but I have to go see, you know, my uncle 
because that's, that's, that's family. And I have to do that. And mm-hmm. anytime that you're saying I have to do something like you can guarantee you're not in your personal power at all. And then you can backtrack and see like, what is the story that I have around what would happen if I didn't see this person? And that's how you, you know, that's how you live a life where you're constantly doing inner work. And that's, that's entrepreneurship. If you want to be really empowered in entrepreneurship versus being a slave to mm-hmm. the creation that you make and then the boxes that you create around it, you'll be able to do that inner work kind of fluidly all the time and, and setting into what am I coming here to experience? And whatever you're looking to experience, it's not for other people. Other people will be gravitated and magnetized towards that when you're authentically owning, this is what I want to experience. And I'm open and receptive to other people who want to add value to this and that want to have their own experience because you're not responsible for other people's experiences, you're not responsible for other people's emotions or how they identify with things. Um, and you're not responsible to validate other people either. So being able to like be aware of how you're moving your energy, that's how you can take your personal power back and say like, you know, when it doesn't feel good to you, when something feels good to you, that's like, you're just arms wide open and you feel free to surrender, right? Mm -hmm. Time kind of just evades you and you're just in the present moment and you're just, you're like, wow, this feels so good. When it feels not so good, Mm -hmm. it's probably not in alignment with what you're actually trying to manifest in the world, it's in alignment with these deeply unconscious parts of your psyche that are expressing themselves because they feel that's the way that your needs will get met. And usually your needs are going to be, I'm going to be loved and validated. That's so good. Appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. But I definitely encourage those listening to play that back a couple times. Yeah. I know I'm going to because I, I definitely needed to hear that. And it's funny because it's a lot of stuff that I am familiar with, but just don't follow through with all the time. You know what I mean? And I think that is a great reminder of the hell yes, hell no exercise. I love looking at things through the lens of like, does this truly light me up? Mm -hmm. And I like how you took it a step further though. And it was like, well, on a scale of one to 10, how lit up do you get? Yeah. Is it a six or is it a nine or a 10? Yeah. And if it's honestly, if it's not a nine or a 10, it's a, it's a fuck. No, it's just, it is. (laughs) I love that outlook. I think I'm, I'm growing towards that. Yeah, um, you're on it. That, that's the other thing I just want to pinpoint. It's you don't get to a place where one day you just are. Yeah. You're like, oh, yeah, like I feel really empowered and sorry, that's a no, no, no for me. Every one of us is on a spectrum working our way to the place where we feel safe enough to make decisions based on our heart's desires where mm-hmm. we don't feel like we will be abandoned or rejected for making those decisions. And it's deep, like... The reason why we continue to compromise on the things that we want, it's so much fucking deeper than just, oh, I feel like I need to go see this person. No, there's, there's an entire lifeline, mm-hmm. lifetime, timeline of you from the time you were a child where your person, you know, your development of childhood was experienced mostly before the age of five and developed in that time. Mm-hmm. And all of the things that happened to you told you and created the stories that you still have to this day. And so when you're on that spectrum of like, fuck, why am I still giving my power away? Why am I still compromising? Well, because you still have trauma just like everybody else does. And it's okay to have trauma. You're always going to be able to find things. And another like word for trauma is just the end, the feminine emotions, feelings, and being able to not look at everything as like, Oh, this is a good or a bad feeling. It's just, it's just relevant to whatever you're looking to learn at that moment. And all of that pain and challenge that you're experiencing, that's what's going to communicate to you where you are out of power Mm. so that you have the opportunity to say, why? Like, why, why do I feel the need to do this? And then you're going to say, well, that's what people expect of me. 
okay, that could be true maybe. But the real thing for how we create a perception that that's what people expect is you've had experiences in the past where that's how you saw that experience. Like I will not be accepted unless I do this. And you can track back in your childhood or even just in your relationships for that power struggle that's always consistently there. There's, we all, we all carry these power struggles and they pretty much loop back around in our life multiple times. Like every relationship is just a container to throw your power struggle in so that you can look at it and go, Ooh, I really haven't done any work on that. Mm. And then, you know, that doesn't work out. You break up the next relationship container, you throw your power struggle in. Oh, wow. This is no longer present. Like I must've worked on that. And then it's so on and so on. And I think you just described the beauty of the infinite game of life. The beauty. That is. And the sorrow, because beauty would not be there yeah. if there wasn't ugliness. That's duality. Yeah. And I, it's a perfect reminder that there is no summit that we're all trying to reach. We all have our own timelines. But the most important thing that I'm hearing there, too, is all this stuff that happens, it's feedback feedback's neutral we mm-hmm. can choose well when you become really aware you can choose sometimes you don't choose what emotions to attach to thoughts that's where the mindfulness kind of really comes into play and becomes the being a total game changer for just how you're living day-to-day life because all of a sudden now you're taking again taking back control of your power yeah. and you're starting to choose like okay this event happened fantastic mm-hmm. how does it make me feel and using that feeling to determine the next yeah. step instead of just going into that subconscious. So you, you cannot step. choose the emotions that you feel about anything. What you get to choose, though, is how you want to express that and how you want to hold space for that. So, like, we don't have, I mean, as far as choice goes over our emotions, those are, mm-hmm. those are from the unconscious we're not aware of them and, and how they're being, ex, you know, how they're being expressed is the awareness when we get to actually see what's under the surface when it moves up to the light. But when you're having an, ex, an emotion about something and you're like, this is not the emotion I want to have. If you do the thing where you're like, mm, nope, this isn't the emotion I want to have. Instead, I'm going to be grateful. You're not grateful. Yeah. You're, you you're, know, so. you're putting a bandaid over something <laughs> yeah. that needs to be addressed bypassing it and that's why yeah you you don't get to choose what you how you're actually experiencing the the thing you do get to choose the expression though Mm -hmm. and you know to choose not to throw that at someone because you want to just project all over them oh it's your fault you can choose not to be in blame when you're feeling anger Mm -hmm. you can choose not to be in victimhood when you're feeling grief but that's, that's what's so cool about that experience is like, that's the shadow is the part of us that whether we like it or not has to be expressed, but the, the beautiful light of us, which gets to really choose what we do after we express that. Absolutely love that. I want to be totally respectful of your time. Yeah. I, I appreciate this space. This conversation has been honestly next level. It's been great. Mm-hmm. Uh, definitely a unique perspective that we honestly haven't had before on the show. So I appreciate you sharing your gifts with me and and with the community here. Want to ask you the fast five, which Mm -hmm. are just five rapid fire questions. One sentence, one word answers um, to just have them get to know you a little bit better. The first one I got is what's your go-to podcast that no one's probably heard of. I don't think there's, I don't listen to one that no one's probably heard of. 
they give us go to. <laughs> if you're really interested in the things I'm sharing, mm-hmm. I would say I love the Deja Blue podcast that my friend Blue has. She's out in LA. Nice. That's very medicine woman-y. So okay. if you're looking for like very energetic, that would be the go-to. I love it. What's your favorite book that you've read in the past year? Uh, the Smell of Rain on Dust. And it is about duality and the duality and polarity of grief and celebration and how our society, the reason we're so sick and we don't, we're not able to truly celebrate life to the fullest is because we refuse to acknowledge the grief. We can't have one without the other. I might have to Amazon that one uh, to my it's place deep. in LA before I... <laughs> it's a deep read. <laughs> It'll be waiting for me when I get back. Um, yeah. Number three is what is one thing you can't live without? <laughs> um, I would say right now, hape, which is a sacred tobacco that is meant for preparing for ceremony, grounding, prayer, cleaning your energy field. Probably a, w- a weird answer on this specific podcast, but <laughs> something you can look up. And it's actually sitting right here next to us. If you've never seen it before, you it goes in your nose. So, good thing we're not on video. <laughs> we, don't, we don't want video of that yeah. one. <laughs> it's, it's one of the most potent ways I've ever found to really ground into, mm. one, taking all the energy that's existing like in your head, which, you know, all the thoughts that are flying around, that typically is because your upper chakras are overstimulated, but you're not living in the lower chakra, which has everything, again, to do with what we've been talking about. Mm. You're all in the light and the thoughts and all the things that could be, but you're not feeling and you're actually like embodying. So this is a medicine that it's about a 15 minute experience. It's completely legal. It's not an illegal thing. It's not a psychedelic. Mm. It's just tobacco and herbs ground up, but it pulls all the energy from this upper space down into your root and really roots you into earth energy. So it's one of the most grounding things you can experience. I love that. Number four is, what's a quote that you live by? Our ability to define gives us the power to create. It must be important if it's come up twice now at this point. Last one. Ooh, can I do one more? Yeah, go for it. I'm sorry, I have long answers always. Go for it. Um, What you are not changing, you are choosing. It's a powerful one. It's a variation of one that I like is nothing changes if nothing changes. Mm Mm-hmm. Start to push towards change. Yeah. Last one I got for you of the five is, what's your one word focus at this point in time? Reciprocity. Quick on that. It must be on top of mind. Mm-hmm. I love it. Adrian. I, I really do appreciate you, your presence, your intentionality, and just the wisdom that you dropped today. I know <laughs> I'm leaving here with my cup full and feeling so much better. So thank you. Where can those checking in, catch up with more of you and more of all the awesome things that you're working on. Yeah. If you're wanting to actually engage with me, Instagram is the best place to do that. And the website for checking out upcoming retreats is thealpasproject.com, A-L-P-A-S, which is Greek for becoming free. So just to give context for what that means, sometimes people think it's the alpaca project, which is really awkward. (laughs) It's not tied back with them at all. It's, there's no alpacas, but maybe I'll just, to fuck with people, I'll just, <laughs> I'll make a whole nother website. You just got to throw one down like Peru or something. There we go. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Any other places? Website? Yeah, RG. website. Instagram is the easiest place. You can get on my email list. I don't send out emails except for to let people know that we have a retreat. And 
my retreats do sell out really, really quickly, usually within one to two weeks of posting them. So I love when people reach out directly and say, this is the type of retreat I'm looking for. And then I can put you on a wait list for that specifically. Mm. And I vet everyone, make sure that the container that's coming in is really good. And I also have a a mastermind that will start in January of 2022 for self-healers, those that are looking to kind of start their self-healing journey of all of this, all the self-awareness, the the embodiment, the practices that we talked about and getting a little bit more well-versed in some of the things that might've kind of flown over your head, but you're like, "Mm, I don't know. I feel like I'm very attracted to this. Yeah. You're a wealth of knowledge. So if any of this today resonated with you listening in, definitely encourage you to reach out to Adrian because your life will be forever changed in doing (laughs) so. Appreciate you. You too. It was a pleasure. Thanks for listening. Would love for you to leave a review on Apple Podcasts with your biggest takeaways from today's episode. I know there's a bunch of them for me. A lot of groundbreaking material came to light and a lot of things that honestly I hadn't really thought about before, but have continued to implement since this conversation with Adrian. So I appreciate her for that. Remember, if you can change your mindset, you can change your life. One thought followed by one action at a time. I will see you all on Monday for a deep dive into more flow.